Welcome to Why We Wrote This. I'm Samantha Liney Perfoss. I'm joined by Ken Macon, a monitor contributor and host of the podcast, Making a Difference. Ken often writes commentary and covers cultural issues, including some of Hollywood's biggest movies this past year. Today, we're going to talk about Hollywood's wrestling with race and diversity by looking at some of the movies he's reviewed. Thanks for joining me, Ken. Sam, glad to be with you. How's it going? It's good. So to start the conversation, I'm wondering if you would consider 2022 a tipping point in terms of diversity in Hollywood. I would really look at it more as, you know, there's a path to progress, but I would say there are more peaks and valleys. And one of the main things I always talk about when looking at Hollywood is always look at fan response and the fan responses to The Little Mermaid, for example, to Moses Ingram's role in Star Wars and seeing some of the visceral and negative responses to that. Those are very troubling. It's so problematic when I hear about fans who have an issue with The Little Mermaid being African-American. Like, understand these are fictional characters. And so what type of destiny does it create? What type of barriers do we create when we say that a fictional character should look this way or a fictional character can't be this? At the same time, it's great to see that same production studio, I'm talking about Disney, it's good to see, you know, them speak out and rebuke some of those uh, negative uh, fan comments and such, and really continue to commit themselves to seeing uh, diverse characters, not only diverse in terms of new stories, but even in retelling some of the stories that we love and that we're familiar with, you know, introducing characters of color, introducing, you know, black characters. I think that's very important. You mentioned the Star Wars franchise, and actually back in June, you wrote about it, that it has a long, complicated relationship with race, similar to Hollywood in general. Could you talk a little bit about that? The challenge with Star Wars, I think, historically was seeing Black characters in prominent roles. And that's something that here more recently you know, we've seen change for the better in terms of Star Wars. I go back to uh, Moses Ingram, who played uh, Reva or the third sister. It's great to see uh, Star Wars uh, making a commitment to having black characters as an integral part of the plot. And that's something that, you know, we did not see previously. I'm thinking about another genre of movies, and that's the horror film genre. And Jordan Peele's Nope came out this year, and you watched it, and you actually had to watch it two times (laughs) to fully appreciate it. Could you talk about what happened there, and what was it about Nope that was unexpected for you? Loved Nope. Loved it the, the second time around. I can say the first time that I had an expectation to see uh, overt analysis, whether it be an analysis of race or analysis of class. Get Out uh, was a movie that did an exemplary job of looking at race and looking at it in a very nuanced sense. Us was a movie that movie, uh, you know, watchers were expecting us to be like Get Out. And it wasn't. It was more of a class analysis. And so I was looking for that same type of overt analysis with Nope. And didn't get it at first. And so in looking for that and in pursuing that, I 
really missed what Jordan Peele was trying to accomplish um, with that movie. And what Jordan Peele did first and foremost was that he approached that movie as someone who loves the genre of filmmaking. And so there were callbacks to black exploitation. There were callbacks to, you know, just some of his favorite, um, you know, directors. And so when I went back the second time and watched that movie, I appreciated the attention to detail. And within that understanding that, Hey, Jordan Peele did have cultural analysis, did have racial analysis. It just wasn't something that was so overt. And in doing that, that gave him a type of creative freedom. It was cool to see how Jordan Peele tipped his hat to uh, other people in the industry who've had a really strong impact. And I'm also thinking of another legacy this year that came to the forefront, and that's of Chadwick Boseman in Wakanda Forever. You articulated it well when you said that movie in many ways was a love letter to Chad. How did that movie nod to his legacy as a Black actor? What Ryan Cooler was able to accomplish in Wakanda Forever is to simultaneously show just what Bozeman's loss to that franchise meant, but also understanding what it means to be the Black Panther and what the Black Panther represents is that the Black Panther represents um, progression, however painful. And, and Coogler just, you know, captured so many ideas visually, politically, socially, and did that without ever trivializing or losing the fact that Chad was his friend first. It was so humanizing and, and yet it was just, you know, a, a celebration of, of royalty and a friendship and, and mourning in that same, in that same vein. I think sometimes Hollywood and really the media at large have struggled to show loss in a humanizing way. And I know you've talked in the past about how it also in some ways capitalizes on black trauma. Um, this year, also a movie about Emmett Till came out and you reviewed Till. How did you feel that movie tackled such a traumatic event with nuance? Till was a challenging watch. Initially, I was very skeptical about going to see the movie you know, I had attributed, you know, what you're alluding to in terms of the capitalization of black trauma. You know, I called it the trauma industrial complex, which that fearful element speaks to that, you know, that that trepidation. And so that's what I felt. Certainly, you know, what changed for me was a statement that was made by the director and the director, you know, committed to not so much focusing on the brutality and the trauma of Emmett Till's murder, but looking at the strength and the dignity and the honor of Mamie Till Mobley, uh, who was Emmett Till's mother. And it just speaks to that continuing tug and pull of civil rights, which is something that you're always going to have that when you talk about civil rights. There is no progress without struggle, certainly. Looking forward into 2023, is there anything that makes you hopeful that the movie industry will continue to expand its offerings and tell more diverse stories? What, what makes me hopeful is the clamoring and the presence of black people, black people on social media, black people in the community. And it, it really just speaks to activism and conscientiousness. And when you think about, 
uh, black actors and the legacy of black storytelling in Hollywood. That has been an arduous road. It's a road that's been traveled on for many decades. One of the things that makes me hopeful is that as we talk about, again, peaks and valleys, you can see the progress. You can see going from having no representation in Hollywood at all to having a limited and sometimes controversial representation to now having attention to detail and humanizing elements. I'm always hopeful because black people throughout history, like (laughs) we're so creative and we dictate culture in that way. Thank you so much, Ken, for sharing your thoughts today. Thank you, Sam, for having me. Thanks for listening. To find a transcript and our show notes, which include links to some of Ken's work, go to csmonitor.com slash why we wrote this. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Samantha Liney-Perfoss, and edited by Clay Collins. Alyssa Britton was our engineer with original music by Noel Flatt. Produced by the Christian Science Monitor, copyright 2022.